Micro Monday again, the weekly microcast where we get to know members of the Microdot blog community. I'm Jean McDonald, and I'm the community manager here at Microdot Blog. And for this episode, I am very pleased to welcome Ton Zolstra, who is at Ton T O N on Microdot Blog. Hi, Ton. How'd I do with your name? <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, you pronounced it in the in the Frisian way, not the okay. Dutch way. So that so that's even better than doing it in Dutch. So that's good. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I was trying for that. <laughs> but welcome to Micro Monday. Um, how Thank you, Jane. how are you doing today? Um, fine. Uh, I had a I have had four weeks of having a cold, so I'm glad oh, no. that I have my voice back in time for our conversation. Oh, good. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, it's it's going around everywhere. Uh, it is. Yeah. <laughs> it makes it hard to find people to podcast with. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. So before we uh, dive into some of the topics. Um, like blogging and other things that you mm -hmm. are up to. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Um, well, yes. Um, my name is Tom. Um, I'm 49 years old, uh, based in the Netherlands, and <clears throat> have a background in electronic engineering and philosophy of science. Um, and in the past 20 years or so, have always worked and been fascinated by what happens when people start using technology. How does that change how they work together or how they interact or how they exchange information? Mm -hmm. And um, for the past 10 years of that, I have um, uh, worked mostly with governments to help them more, uh, make them more transparent by publishing the data and the information that they have. Um, and, and I do that through my own company together with six colleagues. Wow. Well, that sounds fascinating and, and important work <laughs> that you're doing. <laughs> well, uh, it's, 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 uh, sometimes I feel very ambivalent about it. It seems like that you know, you're, you're achieving something where governments indeed do open something up and other days it feels like you still have to convince every single civil servant in the world of the fact that transparency might be a good idea. So uh, <laughs> my, my own perspective changes with the weather, I would say. <laughs> um, well, so tell me, um, I'm curious, how, how did you come to micro.blog? Like what, what caught your eye and made you want to participate in this grand experiment? Um, Yes, well, I, I've been blogging for a very long time. Um, I started my web blog in 2002 uh, because I was feeling very lonely as a knowledge manager in a research firm. Uh, and blogging was a way of, of uh, reaching out to a much wider community of professional peers. And um, uh, two years ago, um, I started blogging more intensively again. And that's also when I encountered the indie web which basically to me felt like the web as I always thought it should and would be. Mm -hmm. And uh, and within those indie web conversations, microblog was mentioned quite frequently, actually. And uh, so I checked it out and I realized that it might be a good way to um, get in touch with new groups of people and, and find uh, also non-techie people to have conversations with. Um, so I added my RSS feed to a microblog uh, profile, and, um, and and that was it. And since then, I've you know, I don't visit daily, but I keep an eye on it regularly. And every now and then, some interesting conversations result from that. So that's uh, and that makes it worth it. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so you have your own um, blog, host it elsewhere, and you uh, yes. feed you feed your um, that to micro.blog? Yes, I've experimented a little bit with that. At first, I thought I would have a separate message stream on my regular blog that I would feed into micro.blog. Mm-hmm. But then I found myself writing micro messages just to let microblog know that I had an interesting bigger blog post up on the front page. Mm-hmm. And I thought this is odd where I sort of uh, start pointing from one content stream to another content stream on my own site. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, in order to to reach out to people, I thought, no, I'll just put in my regular uh, RSS feed. Uh, mm-hmm. So now everything goes to microblog. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think uh, you know from the beginning, there has been a really interesting, you know, mix of people and also a mix of ways people use micro dot blog, mm-hmm. and um, we are happy to have the whole. Uh, you know, the whole big tent of people who have blogs that feed to micro.blog and people who start mm-hmm. micro.blog and feed elsewhere. So uh, I think it makes it a, a interesting um, community that we all have a lot to learn from each other. It, yeah, it does make it interesting also for myself, because even after 17 years of blogging, I still have this hang up that I sometimes think this is not good enough for my blog or this is too trivial. Um, you know, and then checking out uh, the different streams on micro.blog and whatever what everybody is posting, uh, I, that helps me realize, you know, it's my site, it's my blog, I can post whatever I want and mm-hmm. other people do too. So it's also a healthy uh, 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 mirror to, to look into every now and then to not take myself so seriously. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and um, I'm also interested because I've noticed you you post in uh, more than one or more than two languages, correct? Yeah, I post in three languages. Yeah, yeah. And how does that how how's that working out? <laughs> That's a very mixed bag of experiences. Um, I, I I definitely post in English most of the time, uh, and that goes back to. When I started blogging, I was looking for professional peers in the area of knowledge management. And I think I was one or, of two or three people in the Netherlands involved in that. So English mm-hmm. was the default choice to be able to reach out to more people. Um, and then over time, I realized that maybe posting in, in Dutch or in German, um, uh, which is sort of uh, uh, the local languages, um, uh, I would do that. And, and then at first, Years ago, I thought it was odd to have that in one place, so I kept a separate URL where I posted in Dutch and German, but that always felt very, very contrived, mm-hmm. as if you have interactions uh, mm-hmm. in different silos and you've built the silos for yourself, so that didn't make any sense. So I stopped that after a few years um, and wrote only in English. And then you know, in the last two years, I realized but there there are conversations that – are more natural to do in either Dutch or German or English. And and, um, and it really doesn't matter that, that those languages all show up in the same uh, weblog. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I thought, you know, uh, there's no need to keep that, that separate and, and do it uh, the way that I want it. Um, it does mean that in the last few weeks, I looked a bit more into how do you mark up your content so that, you know, uh, 
uh, machines can decide what language your material is in <laughs> yeah. um, to make it easier for people to discover what type of content is there. But uh, yeah, so I write in three languages, but I think 95% is in, in English still. Yeah. yeah, I I mean, I noticed um, you had written this post, which caught my eye about um, an unconference you did. And mm -hmm. then today, you know, refreshing my memory of what you were writing about, I was like, oh, here's a big post in Dutch. And uh, mm -hmm. yeah. I was like, well, that's cool, actually, because <laughs> I can either, you know, I could try to parse it a little bit myself or just skip it and, you know, assume that if it was something I really needed to read, um, either I could go uh, massacre it with Google Translate or uh, <laughs> I could I could just ask you, <laughs> what's this about? So, uh, yeah, I thought that was good, actually, because any yeah, anytime you put in more steps to mm -hmm. post, you know, we, I think that everybody has ha had this experience where yeah. you try to over overthink it and then it's yeah. you, you stop or you don't post that often. exactly yeah definitely yeah so for my regular readers uh who mostly read my blog through rss i i changed my rss feed a little bit so that it uh, dutch and german postings uh they contain a link to a machine translation version of the same mm. uh a page and that's to aid uh, you know, friends from abroad who I know will be reading the RSS feed and wondering uh, <laughs> what I'm going on about. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, so I want to circle back to that um, unconference uh, mm -hmm. that you talked about. And of course the, the, the title is, you know, birthday unconference. Yes. And I'm like, yeah. Ooh, that sounds like fun. <laughs> And you know, the, why have, just have a party when you can have a whole, uh, you know, conference of some sort? So, uh, tell tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, um, um, both my wife and I, um, we have networks of friends who are very spread out, and a lot of them are not in the Netherlands where we are. And uh, so at some point, um, 12 years ago, we were talking about it and saying, how do we get them to our birthday party? <laughs> and because then they will have to travel and you know they, they will run up costs. And then at some point, one of us said, so why don't we organize a conference? Because then people can ask their employer and they mm -hmm. can get their costs for travel reimbursed. And we'll do a proper conference, uh, but we'll also throw a birthday party alongside it. Um, so that um, that was the idea um, 12 years ago. And then 11 years ago, when my wife turned 30 years old, uh, we, we did that. We had a conference um, um, at the uh, local university's uh, conference center, and we had the birthday party the next day. Mm -hmm. And then uh, the next time, two years later, when I turned 40, um, <clears throat> we wanted to do the same thing, but I didn't. We, we realized we didn't have the funds for the conference center. Um, but we had already sent out invitations and people were coming, so there was really no escape. So we decided to do it at home mm -hmm. um, uh, as a unconference. And, of course, it doesn't really fit in a standard Dutch living room to have 50 people or more coming for uh, a conference-style event. So um, we, we cleared out the bedrooms and turned them into workshop spaces. And, and we had all these people in our house. And, and it turns out if you do an, uh, a more... 
let's say formal event like a conference type thing in a family home uh that makes it all the more fun and also uh, uh more inspirational and it turns out that when people are in this, this informal environment when they know they are in somebody's private space they behave differently hmm. and it has an impact on the type of conversation you still have around the serious topics that that you have uh put on the calendar for the day um so we kept doing that so now every couple of years we do a unconference at home with uh, 40 to 50 people from our peer network, clients, family, friends from all over. Uh, and the next day we throw a barbecue party for uh, those same people and a range of other people that uh, don't want to come to an unconference. conference. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and we've done that for, uh, I think, five times now wow. in the past decade. And, and it has, uh, you know, and it's really great to see that it has spin-offs. So last June, we were on Prince Edward Island in Canada, where uh, a friend of ours, Peter, organized an unconference mm-hmm. uh, to celebrate that they were there on the island for 20 years and that his company had existed for 20 years. And uh, we had an unconference there. And uh, somebody else that we know has done it twice now in Austin, Texas, throwing mm-hmm. a conference party for his birthday. Uh, and there's a, a friend of ours in Portugal, and she is doing it as a as a week long retreat with her partner, and they uh, and they do it as as a, a commercial offering as well. Wow! <laughs> yeah. So, uh, for the benefit of those who may not know, uh, can you define what makes an un unconference versus a actual conference? Yeah. So, so a regular conference, the ones that we all know, is where there's a list of speakers decided uh, upfront. There's a mm-hmm. schedule. And uh, sessions run longer than intended and you get cut out of conversations <laughs> that you otherwise would have had in the hallway. Um, unconferences uh, have no prepared schedule, but whoever shows up on the day together make the schedule for the day at that uh-huh. point. Um, so what we do with the birthday unconferences, we set a general theme. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody uh, who thinks they have something that they want to show or talk about or questions that they want to ask around that um, are invited to uh, suggest that on the morning when we start. Um, if other people in the in the group uh, think it's interesting, it ends up on the schedule and you get a time slot and a space uh, and then you can do your session. Um, so in a non-conference, there's no audience. Everybody is an active participant. Everybody is a contributor to the schedule. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is, I have experienced that a couple of times. Well, like at Indie Web Summit, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's, it, it is a neat, uh, variation on what's become a pretty standard kind of stuffy <laughs> process, <laughs> uh, yeah. to have sort of open it up and, mm-hmm. and yes. make it a living, uh, a living, you know, interaction of the people who exactly. are there. So Yeah, also because it means that, you know, depending on whatever you did in the morning, you can decide to have, you know, to, to revisit the schedule in the afternoon and saying, hey, we want to change this. We want to do a session on something else or, you know, and build on what we did uh, earlier in the day. Yeah. And, yeah, and uh, it, it sounds easier than regular conference but my experience is that you do a lot more work up front mm-hmm. uh, because you have to you know, to set the expectations of the people who are coming 
um, uh, so that they know that there's uh, an active role involved of being there and not just sort of sit down and listen to what others say. Mm -hmm. um, um, and creating, let's say, the, 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 uh, a, a space that feels safe enough for people to open up yeah. um, and, 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 you know, and put out there what they would like to talk about. And, and we, we've had the experience that even people are very experienced in standing on stage and, and speaking to large audiences uh, that they can lock up in a setting mm -hmm. like that uh, because all of a sudden you're in front of your peers just suggesting something and you might mm -hmm. get turned down. You know, people yeah. might say, we're not interested in that today. Yeah. So you have to manage that, that, that space quite well for it to work. So you have a lot of work at, uh, at the front. But during the day... Uh, it's, it's it's amazing. You know, it's and and what keeps us doing it is the realization that we bring forty fifty people to our home that we all know, my wife and I, but they usually don't know each other, mm -hmm. uh, uh, and that every time it still works. They hit it off together, you know, mm -hmm. and 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 that's always sort of uh, what what gives us the energy energy to do it one more time. Wow. <laughs> Well, that sounds really cool. So, so you're planning for your, you said your 50th birthday is coming? Yes. Yeah. Next mm -hmm. spring, I'll turn 50. And my wife is uh, turning 42. So that's a total nerd number, of course. Uh, <laughs> so we have to do something with that. Yeah. Um, so likely around Ju June or so, we'll, mm. we'll do another. One. Yeah. Wow. Well, uh, yeah. before we wrap this uh, podcast up, would you like mm -hmm. to add anything or is there something you wanted to talk about that we skipped over um well yeah so this is sort of the space to <laughs> to evangelize maybe now uh, um, i i think in general that, that I, i've immensely enjoyed uh getting back to blogging much more intensively in the past two years than in the years before that and um, and i think it's really good to see that there's more and more people actually pick that up um, and that there's tools like micro.blog that lower the threshold for people to just start sharing uh, mm -hmm. things that uh, that are on their mind or pictures that they've taken or, or uh, things that they've come across. And, um, uh, and, and, and to me, it feels like there's this uh, a, a new wave of energy in that, uh, that is sort of similar to what I experienced in the early 2000s when I, when I started blogging where people find each other and get into conversations. And I think that, you know, uh, the, the tools that are getting built and the, the services that are slowly emerging, like micro.blog, are, are, are really important in that. So I would call upon everybody who is on micro.blog, you know, uh, reach out to other people around you and, and show them how fun it can be to just run your own space online yeah. and outside of the silos and have your conversations uh, uh, out here <laughs> in space. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I agree. Um, well, Tone, thanks so much for being here. And You're welcome. Uh, listeners, if you want to follow Tone on micro.blog, there will be a link in the show notes, or you can go to uh, micro.blog slash Tone. So thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. Mm -hmm.